If you look at the fire deaths in and around Christmas in 2015, I think there was something around 85 deaths in a five-day period. I, I just think there's this general apathy, and even within the fire service, to truly get it right when it comes to messaging. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Federal Resources Studio. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. It's been over 70 years since President Harry S. Truman issued the first presidential report that told citizens how to survive a house fire. But seven decades later, people still don't seem to give fire the respect it deserves. They will go back into a burning home to save pets or even property. And they still won't change smoke alarm batteries or call the fire department to do it for them, even when they live in a city where firefighters will do it for free. Why is this? Here to give us some possible answers and solutions is Ray Reynolds. He's the director of fire and EMS for the Nevada-Iowa Fire Department and a member of the IAFC's Fire and Life Safety Section Board. Ray Reynolds, welcome to Code 3. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here, Scott. You noted in your article for the IAFC that dollar losses and fire deaths are rising. Given that fire departments are responding to fewer fires, this seems counterintuitive. Why is it happening? Well, we started to notice a trend as far back as 2006 in our state. When I was a state fire marshal in Iowa, we started contacting our burn center and saying, what, are, what kind of numbers are you seeing here? And throughout the years, we were just seeing, we were seeing a general increase in injuries up to about 2012. We had kind of an anomaly year where everything really went low and we thought we were on a good trend. And then for some reason in 2013, we just really saw the spike in uh, fire dollar losses. Uh, We started to see this upward trend in fire deaths, and it it was very frustrating to see all the work that we were doing with prevention and community risk reduction and public safety messages. We really thought we were getting the handle on this. And I'll tell you one of the things that I see uh, in addition to the types of construction that we're, we're using, is that we just lack a very consistent message about preventing fires. So the message is different from town to town or state to state, or what do you mean? Well, I think in general, uh, one of the things that really opened my eyes was we, for years, have told people, put a smoke alarm on every layer of your house and every bedroom and uh, every hallway. And one of the things I've had these discussions with private sector folks that are actually in the alarm business and smoke alarm installation business, and they're like, why would you tell them that? Why would you tell them to place them in minimally placed 
locations when really the question should be, when would you want to know there's a fire in your home? Because the 17 minutes you had to get out of your home, you no longer have that. And so I think our messaging is wrong. We're still telling people to crawl and smoke, which is ridiculous. And I just, we're starting to this slow curve to really educate what our modern day fires are like. In fact, I'll I'll give you a perfect example. In some of the Firefighter One books, we're still telling firefighters, brand new firefighters in class, that fire has this general progression where it grows up, flashes over, and dies. Well, we know that's not true. In our modern-day fires, our fires are very much vent-limited and starved for oxygen, and so they hover at that 500 range until we do what? open the front door, and then we just take that fire right up to 12, 1,400 degrees. So we're not even teaching our firefighters the correct fire behavior. So how could we ever convince the public? This reminds me of the ER nurse who said she's seen more than one young man come in with a gunshot wound tell her, man, this really hurts. Is this the same thing? Homeowners don't understand the impact of fire until it happens to them? You know, I've said that all along, that fire is not important until it happens to you, and then it's the most important thing for the rest of your life. And I'll tell you, my uh, grandmother's house burnt when I was three, and to the day of her death, 80-some years later, the most traumatic thing in her life was losing everything in their house. And they didn't even have a fire fatality involved. It was simply property. But that was the most traumatizing event in her life, and I'll tell you, Our family grew up a much different family, and now having on the fire service and having my two daughters in the fire service, I have a lot of respect for fire, and to see what it's done over the course of my career, I'll tell you what, I wish we could convey that to the public. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. Now, some departments seem to be using social media to good effect. There was that viral photo of the burned-out house with the pristine bedroom because the door was closed. Is this the kind of thing we need? I I do believe social media is part of the answer, but I'll, I'll paraphrase and give you another one. For drunk driving, don't text and drive. We have an entire division devoted to Governor's Traffic Safety Bureau. So throughout every state, the Governor's Traffic Safety Bureau receives federal money, and they pay overtime for police to go out and enforce seatbelts and holiday driving and stuff. But yet in our country where we lose over, well, last year, 3,300 people, Due to fire, there is no bureau other than the U.S. Fire Administration, but there certainly isn't federal money geared directly towards prevention other than the Fire Prevention and Safety Grant. But there's no national campaign. There's no statewide entity that's going to help fire departments put that out. And when you think that 80% of our fire service is volunteer, you, you know, they're just trying to hold down a job, let alone go out in the community and be proactive in prevention. And so... 
I just think there's this general apathy, and even within the fire service, to truly get it right when it comes to messaging. When we saw in our state, we took messaging out to the public. We did a smoke alarm insulation campaign throughout the state of Iowa with full-time career volunteer departments installing smoke alarms. And our fire deaths went down to 22 fire deaths, which was almost a 100-year low. And then that messaging stopped, funding, funding stopped, changing priorities in the government, and instantly it had fire deaths. So then prevention or these campaigns do work. But do you foresee this ever becoming a national thing where the states don't have to hold it all up themselves? You know, I, I think one of the things that's truly indicative of, of how the public feels is if you look at the fire deaths in and around Christmas in 2015, I think there was something around 85 deaths in a five-day period in and around Christmas. You know, when back in when I was an early uh, youngster, when the Ford Explorer had the tire issue, they had Senate hearings. They recalled millions of tires. There was such outcry over initially seven people dying because of tires. And we can we see seven people die in our country almost weekly. And yet you don't have the same outrage that you have over something else as simple as driving down the road. Well, the obvious question is, why is that? Why aren't we outraged? Is fire just seen as something that's inevitable? You know, that's a really good question, Scott. I've been trying to put my finger on it. And I think, you know, one of the things is the fire service needs to own community risk reduction. We need to have partners on board like doctors and medical clinics and the public in general, social groups, uh, Rotary, JCs. If people need to be pulling the prevention and community risk reduction banner the same direction. We have gone so far as to our AEDs are placed in police cars. We're looking at uh, a grant to track AEDs where, uh, you know, the IAFC is uh, doing a really great program with the alerting on cardiac arrests. And so if you're trained to do CPR, you get an alert on your app. And, you know, it's interesting, Scott, I went to uh, an Iowa State basketball game last night, and they have an app that will program your phone to synchronize flash the lights in the entire crowd. So why is it that we don't have an app that puts out messaging and direction for our public when there's a disaster or a fire or a major event? That's a good question, and it's one that probably would need an answer from the feds or possibly from another level of government, unless you believe that this is something that private enterprise could take over. Well, I think science and technology will eventually tell us, one, how to fight fires, and two, how to develop something better. But right now, if you look at a lot of the things that we're putting into our homes and a lot of the ways we're building our homes, it's a lot different, and the risk to firefighters is increased, and we do it out of convenience, out of cost, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that not necessarily the lowest cost project or, or price for a product is necessarily the best thing. And so when we see our collapse times of structures and we're seeing just the, we, I don't think we've even begun to see the cancer epidemic as a result of the last 10 years of firefighting plastics and products in our home. So I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm really concerned that the data is kind of pointing towards a new conflagration period 
And to me, that worries me about our public safety and our firefighters' safety. Boy, no kidding. I sure hope you're wrong there. All right, Ray Reynolds, thanks for talking with us today on Code 3. Absolutely, Scott. It's been my pleasure. And as you can tell, this is a topic that I'm very passionate about. And uh, I'll just leave you with this. Boy, check your smoke alarms. Do an evacuation drill with your family, and even as a firefighter, I think you're going to find that you're a much safer person by having your family know that. And we put some more information about educating the public on fire safety on our website at code3podcast.com slash education. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. At what concentration level are disorientation, unconsciousness, and even death possible from carbon monoxide poisoning? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the Bull Sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today, support the show, and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. Here's your trivia answer. The question was, at what concentration level are disorientation, unconsciousness, and death from carbon monoxide poisoning possible? The answer is 150 parts per million. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. Hope you'll be with me then. I'm Scott Orrin. Until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.